With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, it is our pre-season special preview. I've got to admit, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic than I was earlier in the week. And I'm kind of, I'm trying to contain that. I'm not going to get silly and say anything that we're going to win the league or anything. But I have got that little pre-season buzz. And I think I got it off Alex earlier, who was also joining us tonight. Alex Everson. Hi, Ed. Even Paul, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the first, first podcast of the season. You sit there and you, you felt like you got some hope again, right? Anything can happen, that kind of thing. So, gotta, Yeah, gotta, and if we get a win on Saturday, it's just going to be... Yeah, that's true. If we don't win on Saturday, then it's back to regular doom and gloom, I'm sure. But like, uh, for now, optimism abound. Yeah, open the um, uh, open top bus for uh, the end of the season. Actually, if it carries on like this, we won't need a bus. There will be no celebration. But let's not get bogged down in COVID world. I've also been joined by the Reading FC reporter from the Reading Chronicle, Matt Joy. Hi, Matt. Good evening, Paul. How are we? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm a bit optimistic. Are your mood overall for Reading FC at the moment? Um, cautiously optimistic, I'd say. I think we'll all have a better idea of how the season will pan out by the end of the transfer window, obviously. And I think once we've seen the first few games under the new boss, get an idea of his style of play, perhaps a little bit better, see how he, uh, see what he's getting out of the players in the, in the early games. I think then I might be able to answer that question uh, a bit more accurately. Yes. Yeah, no, no, it is so hard to know, isn't it? Because we know nothing about the new manager, Filippo Pornovic. It's just um, uh, really hard to know how his style of play is going to adapt. Is he going to change it? Knowing a manager, as we've all seen over the years, they very rarely change their style and formation that much. They just tinker with it slightly. Seems to be not a million miles away from Mark Bowen. Matt, would you say in what we've heard about his formation and setup? I think in terms of the formation, yes. Um, if some of the reports from uh, America, if you take a look at people who've seen him closer than we have, um, you know, it's it's possession-based football. It's sort of pressing high. You would imagine that would play uh, into Reading's hand when you look at the quality, especially in that midfield um, that the players have on the ball. Uh, you would have thought that that would be um, something that Reading will look to build upon. Um, more consistently than we saw last season. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it seems like um, if, the, if his style of play is, is as reported, it does seem like quite a good fit. And as you said, perhaps not too different to, uh, to Bowen. I think perhaps not too different to Bowen when things were going well, I would say. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point there. Yeah, because in the last, a lot after lockdown, it wasn't going well. And particularly at home, but yeah. Try and keep this positive, Paul. Try and keep it positive. (laughs) But Alex, what did you think of the comments from the manager? I know we've all been in this situation so many times and it does feel like, oh, he's going to say this, he's going to say that. But I don't think he said anything that disappointed me, apart from calling Reading a city, which I always find annoying. (laughs) But uh, what did you think of his uh, kind of how he came across in the first media? Um, 
he kind of comes across very similar to Gomez, I, I think, actually, with his uh, with his media answers. He, he, he seems very kind of polished and knows how to kind of, I guess, not play the media, but he, he knows what to say in order to kind of come across as a pretty decent, uh, decent appointment. I think he looks kind of wants the fans on side early and, and determined to try and get, you know, get the buy-in from fans that players are going to work hard and players are going to put in effort and, um, and, and things like that. And I think that's a, you know, it's, that, that can only really be seen as a good thing. You, you'd want someone who is, I guess, going to be fairly um, kind of wordy and, and constructive with their answers in terms of how they, how they're putting themselves across. So yeah, he comes across as quite a, you know, quite a character. Um, it would, it'll be interesting to see how he responds once we're actually playing and whether it's, you know, whether, whether that kind of continues into the season. He sounds very focused on detail, which I think if it's the right detail, it could be fantastic because I do feel that sometimes we become quite sloppy across the whole group of players. It hasn't been concentrated for long periods. We can manage three, four games maximum of good play. And then that's it. I mean, we've seen it matter, haven't we? Over numerous managers, we can't maintain that. But if we can get someone who can keep that level up, we have still got some half-decent players there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And sort of touching on what Alex said, you know, the manager came out and he said all the right things uh, on paper. But unfortunately, football is played on grass rather than paper. You know, so... Um, it, it will be a sort of, you'll know, we'll have to wait and see. I think he should be afforded a little bit of time. There's obviously been um, a lot of changes in the squad, perhaps not the, as many additions as perhaps we'd have hoped for. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, as you said, he, he does seem like a, someone who, who looks into games and, and analyzes the opponents. And when you look at how Marcelo Bielsa did that at Leeds last year, I mean, by no means am I comparing the two, but that is a, a recipe for success. That is how the best managers in the modern day approach it. There is a lot of work that goes behind the scenes. Um, and yeah, it is about harnessing the, the consistency a little bit more, but I don't think all of that, you know, the buck with that doesn't just lie with the manager. It lays with players as well. They, they need to show that consistency um, on, on the field. You know, there's, there is only so much that the new manager will be able to do. Um, you know, when the, you know, when the whistle is blown and the game's underway, he can bark orders, but at the end of the day, his players would be the ones carrying them out. So, you know, they're the ones I think that have more, to, perhaps even more to prove than the new manager after the uh, the last sort of couple of seasons. No, no, I totally agree. And I think we should come on to the captaincy issue a bit later, because I think that's floating around and hasn't kind of come out that Liam Moore won't be captain and he could still be captain. But now with the new manager, it's even more uncertainty because he doesn't know really any of the players. I felt like it was drifting towards Morrison, but we can come on to that. Another detail that's come out in the last few days and information is the Luton home tie that will be coming up next week and the prospect of Manchester United at home. It's so typical that we hit a game like that. We've had so many rubbish League Cup matches. I mean, that's some okay, but you just think Manchester United at home it's always a nice game to be at, isn't it, Alex? You want to be there for that, don't you? I mean, yeah, you, you can't really have too many complaints when you draw a top side if fans are in the ground. Um, it's, a, it's a good game to go to, realistically. It's a, it's a good game for Reading to play in the sense of it's kind of a win-win, especially in the third round of the League Cup. If you do win and you knock them out, brilliant. And if you lose, well, you're probably expected to lose anyway, so you don't really have much to, you know, 
you don't really have uh, any any issues with the game. Um, it's a shame that it's you know going to be behind closed doors, but hopefully we manage to beat Luton and can progress and you know get get a game against them uh, later this month. Um, particularly being that they're playing in Europe this season, so they may end up fielding a weaker side. It, there may be an opportunity for an upset there. Yeah, Manchester United only be playing 11 internationals instead of a whole squad of 16 or 20. <laughs> it's kind of, it's all relative. I know exactly what you're saying, Alex. It's just a little opportunity. But financially, it would be big for the club. And to have, it, I'm actually 100% certain it would have been a sellout. To have a sellout at the Medeski would have been really amazing. Been especially been the the years. Sorry? I can't, even, I can't even remember when the last, what was the last sellout? Probably it was the playoff year, wasn't it? Was it Burton, strangely? I'm not sure. Burton was quite close, wasn't it, to a sellout man? I'm not sure what the last... We I mean, we haven't had a, a plus 20k crowd since then, I think. We haven't deserved one, let's be frank. Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true as well. <laughs> but it's a real hard one for him, isn't it, Matt? Coming in, a unique position for a manager. There's going to be no one at the games. He's, but is that an opportunity? You can bring in your style of play, and we've seen it with previous managers like Stam. If it's too slow, the fans get very negative about it very quickly. If you don't have those fans there, and we do manage to give some momentum, it, it, the, play, the fans, when they do get back in, whenever that is, they're going to accept it because there's results already on the board. Yeah, I think you could look at it like that. But then again, if you look at the flip side of that, if things perhaps aren't going well, yeah, obviously, you know, the fans can get impatient, which is completely understandable. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're 1-0 down perhaps with 10 minutes to go, and you get a corner, you know, in front of a crowd, that's a lot different than it is, um, you know, behind closed doors. Because it, it is a very strange atmosphere behind closed doors. Um, so, yeah, there, there won't be that pressure. But then you've also got to think there'll perhaps be more pressure uh, on social media because there'll be more supporters voicing their opinions on social media. Um, you know, and as much as the players won't want that to affect them. They'll be aware of the general consensus and the general mood amongst Reading support. So, yeah, it's there's not really a precedent to go in. You can't say, well, last time this happened, this is what happened to Reading's formula. It's it's a completely unprecedented situation. And it, we, it, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, how he um, adapts to it. Obviously, everyone's in the same boat. Um, being his, it is his biggest role, I think, in his career, it's safe to say. Um whether he would have rather have you know had supporters there, uh, your guess is as good as mine. I, I think it could play into Reading's hands. Equally, it, it could be a hindrance. I think it's it's very much a case of wait and see on that one. Yeah, I'm trying to find a positive in a negative situation there. <laughs> it's, a kind of, <laughs> it's just uh, it's just got to find something. So let's move on to the preview of the season. So I'm going to look at the squad, and we all are. Section by section. So, if we look at the goalkeeper, we have Raphael and we have Luke Southwood. How do we feel about that, Alex? Do you feel that's okay for where we are in the championship? You're comfortable with that kind of selection of players there? Yeah, can't can't really complain, can you? Uh, Raphael has got to be one of. I mean, up there with with one of the best keepers as one of the best keepers in the league. Um, decent shot stopper, maybe a little bit kind of off of his distribution sometimes but you can't really complain with we're unlikely to have much better in the championship um given like our current situation um 
I know there's rumours around Raphael potentially moving to a to a Premier League club and that he would love to play in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, I had a little look at the Premier League squads just to see kind of who was really in need of a goalkeeper and Fulham were the only one who stood out, but then they signed um, Ariola. I can't yeah, remember. Yes. I think he was a, a guy from PSG. Um, and they signed they signed a keeper two days ago. So really, I just don't see anywhere where, where he kind of fits in. So I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon, which is great for us. Um, Southwood's more than capable as a backup. He's had a couple of years out on loan. He's played in the Scottish Premier League last season and all the reviews were really, really positive around him. So don't think you've got any any issues really at goalkeeper. I think we're really well stocked there. Yeah, Matt, I think Raphael's done a classic interview in a foreign country and then it's come out in England and he's gone, oh, no, 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 no. It's all, it's all fine. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Here. What do yeah, you think? Uh, I, must, I must admit that when I saw the sort of the rumours coming out on social media, it did take me by surprise. It was the first I'd heard of it personally. Um, I mean, what he said, if he said, you know, if a Premier League club were interested in him, you've got to look at him, you know, as a Reading fan and as Reading fans, there's nothing that would give us greater privilege than to play for Reading. But for Raphael, he's got to look at his career, you know, and that next step would be, you know, both financially beneficial to him and, and in terms of his career. But he's... He's been a very good servant to Reading so far. I think, as you said, it might have perhaps been uh, lost in translation somewhat. Um, I think it's, that, that is just probably a situation that a lot of players will find themselves in, especially the players who are the, the, you know, the, the best players in the squad and perhaps maybe some of the, the youngsters. They will be looking at the next step eventually. You know, no one stays... Well, it's very rare that a player will stay at a club for the, the majority of their career nowadays. So I, I wouldn't blame him for saying that. I think it's just perfectly logical. But I, I would be, I would be surprised to see after the season he had last year, um, and and how he has been welcomed um, by the Reading support. I think there is a very good relationship there. Um, so it would surprise me certainly. But I, I can, I could understand that sentence and and what he came out and said. I think everyone, you know, if you maybe not in the heart but in the head, we would all, yeah, we'd all understand that. But um, it would surprise me to see him to move on. Yeah, no, I, I think I totally agree with that. Players would always be looking for achieve higher things. They're only humans, aren't they? It's like anyone else in a job. So moving on to the defence, this is an area that slightly concerns me. Not the first team players, but the depth. We've got Omar Richards. We've got Michael Morrison. We've got Tom McIntyre, Liam Moore, Andy Idham, and... Tom Holmes is probably in that group as well. Now, if we look at the fullback positions, Matt, it concerns me because we've got no cover at left back, no cover at right back, and we've also lost Matt Miazga. Now, and, yeah, and of course we lost Jordan Abita in the summer. Jordan Abita as well, obviously, and Chris Gunter. Yeah. But kind of, I think we're weaker in the defensive area than we were last season. Oh, yeah, I, at this point in time, I would agree with you. Um, it would, again, perhaps surprise me to not see any reinforcements come in. I think what you said about the fullbacks, I think that's, we, obviously we'll move on to that, but I think that's the issue throughout the team is the strength and depth in the wide areas, both defensively and offensively. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see a couple of, uh, perhaps, a, you know, a couple of one or two maybe new additions, um, just to shore it up. I think you know, the, the starting 11 when everyone's fit defensively. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy with it. But, you know, you look at when Yeardon was injured, for example, last year, 
we missed him. You know, Gunter came in and did a good job. He did, and you know, he was, he was you know, reasonably solid in that area. But you know, now we don't have Gunter. It's okay. Now we've got to look. Could be in trouble if you know you pick up a couple of injuries, especially early early on, when you're looking to get points on the board and when the manager's looking to implement his style. So, it, it, I, I would hope that you know perhaps potentially one or two reinforcements will come in in that area. Yeah, definitely, Alex. What do you think? Um, well, I mean, I think the likelihood is that we are probably going to end up signing players. The rumor seems to be around that there is there is at least. A couple of um, a couple of wingbacks that we're looking at. I, I can't remember the name of the guy from Chelsea, um, Matson, something like that. I, I don't know anything about him particularly, um, but obviously even Bristow played at left back against Colchester, and seemingly everybody was relatively kind of happy with how he played. Um, and we did see a number of kind of youth team players on the bench for that game. Um, none really at kind of in those fullback positions, apart from Samuels, again, who's a left-back. So it wouldn't kind of surprise me particularly if we just see Richards and Bristow and Samuels competing for that kind of left-back spot and we go out and try and sign a cover to play at right-back. Um, I, I, I think it's one of those areas where it's a, it would be a nice-to-have, but not necessarily a, a must-have before, before we get to the end of the transfer window. Yeah, it's definitely a massive opportunity still to go and strengthen that area. I don't think we should be too worried about it because the first players and the first team of defensive area are actually okay. There's nothing wrong with them at all. So moving on to the midfield, we've got Michael Elise, big season for him, I think. Andy Renomoto, John Swift, obviously the constant transfer situation. Ovi Ajaria, who is now obviously a permanently a Reading FC player, four-year deal. Felipe Arunia and Josh Lawrence. Uh, I think the midfield's not too bad, Alex. What do you think on that area? Do you think there's any real big areas that we need to strengthen there? So the midfield, in all honesty, is probably the area of the field which concerns me the most with Reading. Okay. Um, Talent-wise, there's no doubt that they're a very talented bunch of players. Sam, um, Sorry, not Sam. Um, Ajaria, Swift. Uh, Elise, even Laurent to an extent, um, we, we've we've seen them play. They're all very talented players. Yet, when when it, well last season, for example, when we saw Elise Swift and Ajari playing on the same pitch together, you never really saw them all all successful. Um, it's going to take a really kind of like not strange, but I think it's just going to take a, a lot to get the best out of all three of them at the same time. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we, uh, this may be a little, uh, harsh is the wrong word perhaps, but it, it's maybe may a little um, kind of negative um, towards Elise. But to be honest, I would kind of hope that Elise is on the bench to begin with the season, personally. Um, just purely because I, I think Ajara and Swift, when you saw them play from, say, Kind of September through to December together in that central midfield um, with one other player behind them, whether it was Pele or Renamoto. That was kind of when they were the most effective. Um, and I'd be a little worried that Ajara is going to end up getting shifted out wide or something and not really look as effective as you'd want him to. 
Um, so despite the talent, it's probably the area which would concern me most is, is central midfield and how, how you kind of fit everybody in there. And then obviously, we, you know, as you've kind of just gone through the list of names there, there isn't anybody who can really play out wide apart from Elise and Najaro, who and, and neither are really wide players. So that's going to depend on the system we play as to how, you know, how desperate we are in need of going out and getting a, getting a signing or two to fill those, fill those holes. What do you think, Matt, on the midfield? Do you agree it's an area of concern or are you more positive? I would be a little bit more positive. I think um, for me, uh, Elise, you know, you look at the, the, the League Cup game, okay, lower league opposition, of course. But Elise, I put out on Twitter after the game, he had a yard more space than everyone else did on that field. Um, whenever he picked up the ball, it was the, his, you know, the, the close control there, the, the touches there, he's, he's positive, he looks to run at the opponents, which we haven't seen for a while in the Reading midfield, I think, um, especially, you know, such a young and raw talent. But obviously, I think I do agree with Alex in the sense that it's how we get the best out of them. And I think that's, that's where the manager, that's where Paunovic has to come in and say, right, this is, that's where we need a clear style in the midfield. Because at times last year, the midfield were being completely bypassed, you know, with the, the sort of long balls over the top. Um, as I've mentioned, I think on the previous podcast I was on, that's one of the areas that really frustrated me last year. Because when Reading do get the ball in the deck in the midfield, then um, that's when they do look the most dangerous, when the passing's quick, the passing's crisp. But I would agree to an extent uh, you, it might be a, a tough ask to get the best out of Vajaria Swift and Elise on the same pitch. And I would completely agree with the lack of width. Um, I think if, uh, if an op- opposition team come and, and squeeze the midfield and there's no outlets out wide, then we'll see more of the sort of negative, you know, going backwards. And that's when the frustration builds. So... Yeah, the, the Panovic has got a big, big task on his hand to to get the best out of them. But uh, if he does, I think it, it will be a very promising part of the team. Just to also point out, Paul, I, I'm fairly certain that if, if we don't raise it, people will say, "Why haven't we?" Um, obviously, we don't have Pele anymore either. We don't really have that kind of defensive midfield role, defensive midfield holder, as it were. Um, and I think it's. It's one of those positions that, depending on the system you play, you you can go out and sign someone. Or if you don't play the system which needs it, you you shouldn't. We shouldn't really be going out to go and get someone unless we're going to play the system that really benefits it. Um, because we've got so many central midfielders, and unless one of them is going to get moved, or one or two of them are going to get moved on, um, or you play Aruna as a backup right back, or however the the situation kind of finds itself you're going to end up with just a really unbalanced squad again if we go out and sign yet another defensive, like another central midfielder to kind of slot in. Um, I mean, after all, there's only 11 fields on, uh, 11 pitches. There's only 11 spots on the field, isn't there? Like, you can't, we can't, we can't really be playing four, six, zero. It's just not going to work. So um, I'm hoping that defensive midfield is an issue which they look at, but only if the system really dictates the need to. Yeah. Well, it's just the thing, isn't it? It's kind of going to the market. I mean, one thing I would say that did slightly worry me about the uh, match on Saturday was the fact that the new manager picked the starting lineup and we looked an absolute mess until half time when John O'Shea and Eddie Naletsky took over. 
And you think that's a little bit of a worry that, for me, but let's hope it continues in a positive way. And kind of, he maybe he learned from that. You can't play these crazy tactics here of seven forwards and all this kind of here. We seem to be the complete opposite of Mark Bowen, because I do remember a great game that we had five fullbacks on the pitch or something along those lines. Maybe I've been consigned to the depths of my uh, memory, never to uh, never see. Crazy. I think we have Blackett, Gunter. Oh God, to try Richard, to remember. Gunter yeah. as well. <laughs> it was just left backs and two right backs at one point. Yeah, it was oh. just absolute fullback heaven. And I know he was a fullback. Wow, but it showed, didn't it? He just. What, what do you make, Paul, of our of our forward options with push our Forward options. I mean. Yeah, and then I mean there was Melvin Lambert at the weekend as well. Lindsay yeah. Saki from the youth team is training with the first team at the minute. Yeah, and we've Not also long. been linked with Pedro Mendes, and that seems to be gathering some pace. Possibly, um, I don't know. Maybe Matt knows more about that. Do you think the Pedro Mendes situation is a live one, or do you think it's? I just think. At this point, I think it's he's a player of interest. I don't think there's been any sort of concrete, uh, you know, concrete bids or anything like that. I, I would say that perhaps is that the area that we need to strengthen him. You know, if, if finances are as strict, you know, as tight as we all know they are, I, I, I think the striking options personally, I'm quite happy with. Uh, Lucas Zhao shows what he can do. You know, he, he did on Saturday, and it was a, an absolutely brilliant performance from him. I think George Pushkas. He obviously got a, it was a bit of a divisive figure last year, but, you know, he, he got into double digits. It was his first season in England. He's a brilliant penalty taker. Um, and I think for a lot of last season, he was sort of shoehorned into the team, not in his favoured position. You know, he, he was playing sort of in a, as a lone striker. And it was, I felt for him at times because, you know, if, if, if the opportunities aren't there, you immediately look at the striker. But when you've got... Uh, Pushkas, who's not the most physically imposing player, that's not what he relies on. He relies on, you know, it, more of the sort of the speed to his game and stuff like that. So I think, again, if we can get those, if we could get Zhao and Pushkas working alongside each other, I think that they would complement each other's styles really well. Um, and then, you know, we haven't even mentioned Yaku Mato, who I think, again, when he's out wide, when we try and shoot him into the team out wide, Personally, and you know, people may disagree with me on this, just my personal preference, I, I prefer to see him in more of a central role. I think that's where he is his best. Perhaps it's going to be an issue like the midfield of where, how do we get two or, or three even? That, you know, I, I would be very surprised if all three started, but how do we get the best out of all three of those? Obviously, you've got Sam Bulldock, a couple of the younger lads, uh, Mark McNulty. So there are an abundance of striking options there. Um, but I, I think that area of the field certainly centrally, is, is looking quite promising at this point. Yeah, Lucas Jow, I absolutely... I mean, he reminds me a little bit of Dave Kitson. The way he can hold the ball and link it and his little bits of individual skill. There's different bits about that's that. A, that's an that's interesting comparison. <laughs> I, I like that. That's a, that's a comparison I hadn't really considered, but that definitely that's one which you... Uh, I think that's one which, when you when someone says it, you'll definitely kind of think. Actually, I can kind of see it. He, he when he plays up top on his own, he brings people into play. He has a pretty good touch, really. Um, he's got a decent strike on him. Like when he's in the area, he's got a, a, a really good strike on him. Um, yeah, I can I can definitely see the the comparison. I've got a good one. 
That's nice. Good start of the season for me. <laughs> so, no, no, I do love him. But the problem is he worries me that he'll get injured. He, over his whole career, has he ever played more than 25 games in a season? I'm not sure if he has. I think the most he's... I, I, was, I had a look at this earlier in the week and I think the most he's ever managed is about 23. And he's never. he's only scored 10 goals once. Um, yeah, it's a big concern. I think he, he's only what twenty five still though, or twenty no twenty six. I think gives maybe oh, no sorry. He had his birthday the other day. He's twenty seven now. So really, if if he's going to have a season where he gets to sixteen, eighteen goals and he becomes the main man, it's going to have to be this season or next season, or he's just not ever going to do it. Um, so you know, what better time than the present? Yeah, I think if he stays fit, we stay. We shoot up the table. And I mean, we could make quite a big difference with him because he really links the whole of the play. You look at the runs when we play well over Christmas, Lucas Jow. When he comes back in the team at the start of lockdown, we look much better, gets injured, everything collapses again. I mean, for the first 40 minutes after lockdown. Oh, right? yeah, don't worry. It's not an actual fact. I know what you mean. He definitely looks like he, he, definitely looks like he changes the team. Um, and there was, a, there was a, a stat that I saw on on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where it was looking at matches where Lucas Shaw played and we've won six out of the 11 that he'd played in and we'd, we'd only won six out of the other 28 or something when he hadn't played. And it's, kind of, it makes a huge difference. He's like a presence, that, he's a target. You know, right? Like, he's... he's he can just hold up the ball the way Puskas can. And that's nothing against Puskas because that's not Puskas's game. That's not me having a go at him. If you put Puskas and Jow together, Matt, if you could find a formula for that, I think you could really get a lot of goals. But... Yeah, I would completely agree. Um, I think, as you look, you alluded to, the, the run over Christmas last year, I remember being at Craven Cottage on New Year's Day and when he got that injury, I remember thinking, if that's bad, then that, yeah, that's incredibly bad news for Reading um, because he was, over that period, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, yes, it is going to be an issue keeping him fit, um, but that's the gamble you take. I mean, some, some players, that, that is the sort of baggage that they come with. It's just about nursing them through it and, and hoping Lady Luck shines on Reading perhaps a little bit more than last season. Yeah, I hope so, because, yeah, I could talk about Lucas Jarrell all night. Him and Ajaria, I just love them. Technically, they're so good, and they add so much more to the team. So, what do we think are going to be the final position for Reading Football Club this season then, Alex? I want your... Final position, top scorer and player of the season and no kind of provisional stuff about transfers and we haven't gone through the window. We all know that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so so I, did, I saw your tweet earlier today about this and the range of positions is absolutely ridiculous. But uh, there's hardly any relegation prediction. I think I've seen one person predict us to finish 22nd. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... It kind of varies. I've seen position, positions from kind of like 19th, 18th, right up to kind of 4th, 5th, 6th. Oh, I see. Um, first. First and second. I've seen a couple of first. I wasn't <laughs> sure how serious those were, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the, I guess the kind of average, the, I say average, the, 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 the one I've seen the most kind of has us between 12th and 13th, 14th. Um, so I, I, I think we'll probably, I, I'm feeling fairly optimistic. I, uh, as long as Lucas Schell stays fit, which I think is just a massive if, um, I will say the Reading will finish 11th next season. 
decent improvement on last season in terms of going forwards as well. Um, I do think we'll probably concede more this year, but that's not really going to be an issue if we're scoring more goals. Um, top scorer, I'm going to go with Luka Schau. I'm really just pinning all my hopes on him being fit with these predictions here. Um, I'll go Luka Schau with 14 goals. And player of the season, I'll go with Lucas Shaw as well, <laughs> just on the basis that he's going to be top scorer. Are you going to do the same uh, there, Matt? You can just go to Lucas Shaw the whole thing. For the sake of variety, I won't, but I wasn't going to anyway. Um, in terms of where I think I, w- I will be quite boring and sit well and truly on the fence in terms of position, or, uh, or in, in terms of the position where Reading will finish, I think, as Alex said, a mid table finish. I think in that middle two thirds, at some point, it wouldn't surprise me if it was um, sort of 13th, 14th. Um, that would probably be where I'd put my hopes on at the moment or put my you know, prediction on. In terms of top scorer, I will be a little bit, not bolder, but I'm going to go with George Pushkas, um, only because I think his, I think he, if he stays fit, he'll probably get four or five penalties. I think, the, you know, you add them in. Um, I, th- I think, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's had that first season in England. He's embedded a little bit and, I never really understood. I mean, he had off games. Everyone does, but I never really understood the sort of the sort of pile on criticism of him. I, I, I perhaps see it differently than everyone else, of course. Um, so I'm going to go with Pushkas, and then Player of the Season. I'm going to go with Tom McIntyre. Um, I only because not not trying to you know hedge my bets or not trying to uh, <laughs> use logic, but uh, I'm thinking he's got that Reading fan connection. Perhaps if he has a good season, then it comes down to a public vote. We could see, uh, we could see McIntyre um, get it. I, I you know, I, I, he impressed me immensely last year. Um, for such a young man, I think he looks very mature. He looks very, very settled in the Reading team already. Um, even though he works hard, and I think he is a very skillful defender. Um, one, one thing I'd have to say about Tom McIntyre is he hasn't actually played that many games for us. I feel like he's, in my head, it feels like he's played loads of games. And I feel like in a Reading fan's head that he's played loads and loads of games for us. He's still only actually played 12 league games for Reading so far. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. uh, Obviously, he's going to have to like, he's going to, you would hope, get more than than that this season and um, lend himself to kind of like being up there and potentially getting maybe 25 appearances or something like that. But obviously with uh, Nomiazga this, this season, he's kind of the, the next choice centre-back if, if Moore or Morrison are, are form or suspended or injured. So um, I'd say it's first choice. I, I really liked his attitude when he came out with the interview recently. You think and he's ahead of Moore or Morrison? Line now, and someone's going to have to get it off me. And I think he should be, because I don't think Liam Moore should start the season. I think that it should be Morrison and Tom McIntyre. That's a bold claim, Paul. I think it's bold. Uh, I think the evidence is in front of your own eyes. Liam Moore was dropped two times at centre-back last season and two times in midfield, which I can't count. He's not a midfielder. Yeah, but, I mean, I think on, the, on Liam Moore, that's, it's an interesting you say that. I mean, he is, he is a, on his day, a very good defender. But you look at, since he's been at the club, have Reading been good defensively? No. Consistently, have they been good? I wouldn't say they've been... First season, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, like I said, he, he has, I think, in the captaincy role when he's sort of marshalling that defence, I would like to have seen more from him in the last couple of seasons. 
I think if you've got a player like McIntyre, who's perhaps obviously he's got the you know the age on both the on both the uh, Morrison and Moore, um, I may not. I don't perhaps think he, he will immediately dislodge them from the start. I think it might be uh, Panovic might think right. You know, at this point, I, I want experience. Um, but later on in the season, if the defensive issues that we were having last season, um, you know, just those momentary lapses of concentration, which ultimately cost us so many points last year. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see McIntyre get into the squad. Um, and I think he does have the quality. I think he's improving all the time. I think he's improved. I know, as Alex said, he's not actually perhaps played as many times as we all thought he had, or, you know, you instantly think he has. But I think he, he's, he's always improving. He looks better now than when he made his debut. Uh, and I think next season could be a, a big opportunity for him to kick on. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there, Matt, about a new manager coming in. Maybe they will go for experience. They're looking. I, at I, I would be quite interested to see that McIntyre Morrison combo. I think it would be, it would work well together. I think one thing I would preface it by saying is that um, if Bowen was still here, I think he would have started on Saturday. But with a new manager, I see your logic there completely, Matt. Yeah. I think, yeah, he might say, I want the 27, 28-year-old, however old Liam Moore is, to start that game. Mm-hmm. So we will see on that situation. Hopefully it works out well. Hopefully we've managed to get a win there. We're going to Derby now then. So we have them on Saturday. They've obviously had a couple of big sales to Sheffield United, a couple of their full-backs. Bogle was the one who played against us when we lost there at the end of last season, 2-1 when Ben Hamer made one of the worst mistakes I've ever seen as a goalkeeper. It was absolutely horrendous. It was, it was almost... the one later on and just about got away with it. I, I was, that was almost impressive. To, to manage to do that, I was just thinking, you've done well there. You've, you've, that's more difficult to make that error than it was to make the save. So, you know, hats off. Maybe he's still got a bit of Reading blood in him. It was quite amazing. A really good header from Reading Motor there. Yes, but easily kind of like missed that one. But for a player who doesn't score many goals, he, he wasn't uh, panicked there at all. So Derby County, it's going to be, I don't know. I wonder if we're going to see the captaincy issue come up there. I think we will. And I think it will go to Morrison. That's my feeling, Alex. Do you think he's going to get it as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it, though I'm sure, I don't know where I read it. Might have even been off one of Matt's articles over summer. I'm sure I read something around the lines of Liam Moore felt feels more pressure when he's been playing captaincy. Yeah, I, I think um, it, was a, it was a conversation I had with Mark Bowen. Uh, I'm not sure what game it was after. I think that was the game where Moore was in the side, but he wasn't captain. And I said, is that, a, is that a, you know, an indication towards next season? And there wasn't a concrete answer by no means. It wasn't, no, you know, he's not going to be captain. It was, you know, we're weighing it up. Perhaps we're going to look at giving him a bit more freedom defensively. Um, and not give him the, the responsibility of the armband. I think, I think I, I would probably say Morrison is the most likely to get the captaincy, and I think he probably would be my pick. Um, not you know, with, with all due respect to Liam Moore, I, I think that he would probably be my pick. But perhaps we might see the Liam Moore of a couple of seasons go more frequently if he doesn't have to shoulder that responsibility, uh, which I think can only be a good thing. Yeah, I guess there's one other contender, maybe Andy Udom. I think that is, he's been a captain as well previously. I think maybe uh, Barnett. I think he was a captain, honestly. Um, yeah. 
but I, I kind of agree. I would I would go for Morrison. Yeah, I think Morrison's got what six, seven years of being captain at Birmingham under his belt as well. I just can't see if anyone's going to get the captaincy except Liam Moore. If I can only see it being Morrison, really. And he is certainly one of those who you really do hear the communication um, in behind the closed doors. Obviously, you don't really get the opportunity to hear what's going on in the field when the crowd are there. Having had the privilege to be there last season and still being going, you, there are certain players who are very, very, very vocal, and Morrison is one of those. And actually, surprisingly, when he came in, Luke's health was as well, which I thought was very impressive. He was very quick to be relaying the instructions. You know, he wasn't overwhelmed by the occasion of his you know, competitive debut. He was, he was, uh, you know, marshalling that defence and then barking out orders. Um, much like actually Joe Hart was when he played against uh, when we played against Spurs. I've never heard any player shout as much as Joe Hart did. But no, I, I think Morrison's perhaps got that edge on in terms of the, that sort of leadership, that experience and, and perhaps the communication. So yeah, perhaps it, it might be a, maybe a safer bet to, to give him the, the armband. Yeah, I think so. I think Morrison will get it. If Liam gets it, obviously yeah, that's fine. There's not a major problem with it, but I just think it would move the pressure off him for all the reasons we've all discussed, discussed there. So Derby County away. What are we thinking for the result there? Um, I'm going to start off. I'm going to be really positive with blind faith. I'm going to go in with a 2-1. What are you going to say about it? 2-1 win to us, obviously. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to think we're going to get a draw. Um, one all. I think it, I can't really see Derby. I think Derby has had a lot of um, a lot of love over the summer from from different outlets. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think they're going to be particularly quick out of the blocks. I don't really see where they're going to score many goals. Um, I think they put Waghorn and Mary up front, and neither of them are particularly prolific. So I'll, I'll go with one one. Um, with a Lucas Shaw header and probably a Wayne Rooney penalty as well. Probably a Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to say, Matt? I think I'm going to get splinters if I'm on this fence for too much longer. But um, <laughs> I, I will go along with that. I think I think a draw will be a good result. Um, I think again, it's very tough to call at this point, not having not really seen much of the new manager. Um, yeah, as Alex alluded to, you know, then Derby have lost a bit of firepower. They've lost a bit of experience over the summer. They lost Tom Huddleston, Chris Martin, um, Scott Malone's left, and yeah, so they've lost. They've lost some good championship players in there, but they obviously do have England's record goal scorer in their midst. So you can't. Maybe he doesn't have the legs, but that experience and technical quality is still there. Uh, and you know, what, what other players as well? Matt, last season, well, um, he was very, very good against us. Yes. Yeah, he was very good. And another player who was very good against us was uh, Sibley. I yeah. think it's Louis Sibley. Yeah, Louis Sibley. Yeah, yeah. He was very, very impressive for me. So I think, yeah, I think a draw would be a good result. I think we'd all take that at this point. I think if, if hypothetically speaking, get a draw on Saturday and, and win the cup game on Tuesday, then you think, right, well, we've two wins and a draw out of the first three games. Okay, they're both, two of them were in the cup, but that's a, that's a pleasing start. So, yeah, I think it, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me to see Reading perhaps be a bit more conservative on Saturday than we will see for the, for the majority of the season. I think Panovic would probably not want to lose. That that will be his main ambition, not to lose. So perhaps we might not see the, the freedom um, that we're, we're all hoping for. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with a, 
I'll go with a tool draw to be different. Take that. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. Goals and a bit of action. You want to see a bit of shape. We want to see which direction we're vaguely heading in. You can't, can't do too much in one game. You can't draw massive conclusions. But what we want to see is a little bit of steel to the team. That's what I want to see more than anything else. And the determination to get to the end of the match and see it out. Whatever position we're in, do not let anything silly happen or maybe get a red card after the final whistle, which I'm not saying was one of the highlights at the end of the season. Quite <laughs> it was quite instead. <laughs> so let's open it up to the whole of the championship now. With prediction time and all the transfers and all that. But let's start the bottom three first. I have gone for finishing bottom of the league, Wickham. Then I've gone Luton. Then I've gone Sheffield Wednesday. The only reason, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday is because of the points deduction situation. Who have you got for Alex? Uh, so I've got the same team finishing bottom. I think Wickham are just lacking, really, in quality. Um, don't think they're going to score enough goals. Reliant on set pieces. Not going to have enough of the ball. I could go on. Um, but I won't. Uh, I think Rotherham will finish 23rd. Um, similar kind of vein to a couple of years ago when they came up. I don't think they've really got a proper goal scorer. Um, not sure they're going to get anybody who scores more than about eight, nine goals as their top scorer. Um, and then in 22nd, I've gone for Coventry. Um, I think all three relegated clubs could go back down this year. I think it's really a... It's a very tough year to get promoted. Um, and unless your recruitment is spot on, it's going to be very difficult to stay up. Um, Coventry, I, I feel like Coventry got promoted last year kind of on the back of a very good run from Christmas up to the end of lockdown, um, where they were winning a lot of games 1-0. Um, they just didn't concede very many goals. They're, they're, they're a fairly good side defensively, but again... I just don't think they'll score enough, really, um, stay up. So I think the the three relegated clubs will, will be the ones kind of who go back down. I, realistically, it's unlikely we're going to see all three relegated clubs go back down, but that's just kind of like, I just think they're, all three of them are kind of in that group of teams who could get relegated for sure. What do you think, Matt? Um, I think I, I would disagree with Wickham. First and foremost, um, I did a, I, I had a lot of work last year before I did the Reading with Wickham, um, and I've seen a lot of them. Let's not forget they were tipped for relegation last season, and we all know how that ended up. So I think in Gareth Ainsworth, um, they've got a manager who it's very rare to see a squad as unified as Wickham were last season. They, they don't have the technical qualities that other sides may have, but I would be very, very, very surprised if um, they went on a bad run of form and weren't able to escape from it. I think there is something in that squad that never so die spirit that I think will serve them well. I don't, by no means do I think they'll be, you know, scaling the heights of the table, but I think they may well surprise a few. Um, so, you know, chalk, chalk them down for 24th. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think in terms of relegation, I would agree with Sheffield Wednesday. I think there was so much doom and gloom around the club last year. They, they were on an awful run of form, I, I do believe. Sort of in the back end of the season, they've obviously got the minus 12 penalty. I think there's just sometimes you, you just think you look at clubs and you think they could really do with going down just to make just galvanize it a little bit and get you know, it's a tough one to say, but I think that there is so much negativity around that club that it wouldn't surprise me to see them go down. I'd have them on 22nd, I think I'd have. 
Luton Town, 23rd. I mean, they, they put on a great run of form after the uh, after lockdown last year, which which kept them up. The, you know, you can't can't forget that for mate for long, long periods of the season last year, they looked like a complete cert to be relegated. And you know, credit to them for staying up. Whether they can, they they may be able to keep that run going into the new campaign. I don't see enough quality in their squad to do so. Uh, and then I think I'm going to go with Coventry uh, finishing bottom. Um, I think Rotherham, you know, they they did actually score. I think they were the second highest scorers in the League One last year. Um, they love a yo-yo, though, don't they, man? They do. They, do. <laughs> they are the masters of it. That's very true. And I think I think it's one from them or Coventry. Uh, sorry, them or Rotherham. So Rotherham or Coventry. I can't sure which one I said, but I'm going with Coventry. But um, I think it could be one from two. I think what Coventry have in their favour is that it has been so long, well, not so long, but it's been, It's this is their rebuild. You know, they're on the up. Whereas Rotherham, as you said, are a yo-yo side and have been over the last few seasons. So whether they are as, you, you know, as motivated and whether they have such a, because the Coventry, you know, you look at the size of their support as well. When fans are allowed in, in, in whatever, uh, you know, whatever numbers they are allowed in, I think that, it's a bigger season for Coventry to be in the championship now after their issues they've had off the field than it is for Rotherham. So I think that may actually, I might say that I might go for, no, I'll stick with Coventry, but it wouldn't surprise me if them and Rotherham, uh, them and Rotherham. It's not easy. It really is. Cause there's it's so not. many hypotheticals there at the moment. It's so I'm sure that would be right. Yeah, so so just, just noticing that I'm the only one who hasn't gone for Sheffield Wednesday to get relegated. Which is, uh, yeah, well, uh, the reason why I go for Sheffield Wednesday is not just the 12-point deduction, because that's easy. Uh, anyone can say that. It's because they remind me of Reading. If you took 12 points off Reading, they would have got relegated in the last three seasons. But I look at them and I think they're a mess. They're a mess of a club, really. And ultimately, if they do go back down, I think they will come back up again and they'll probably be better for it. They'll probably change owner and everything will change at the club. I'm not wanting Reading to do that at all. But I think Sheffield Wednesday are kind of due to go down in some ways. It's not an unusual thing for them to be in League One. They have been there a few times in the last few decades, last decade or so. So yeah, moving yeah. on to the top six, I've gone for Watford first. Brentford. Yeah, yes. I know that's a bit of a dodgy one. Norwich, Forest, Bournemouth, and then Swansea. Because I think, I just look at those teams that have come down and I look at Watford's squad and I saw their squad today and I just thought, wow, that is some team for the championship. You've got their real massive depth. I mean, anyone can have Glenn Murray as almost a backup player. I know he's quite old now, but he's a quality player for the championship, isn't he? Man? Well, I mean, as you said, they've got Premier League quality throughout that squad. It's, it's whether they can get that motivation out of the players. Um, that would be my only perhaps worry about Watford is they they looked disjointed at times last year in the Premier League. They did look good at some points, but it's whether they will have the same hunger as some of the other sides um, that will be. I, I would expect them to be there or thereabouts, but I, I wouldn't perhaps have them as one of my top two. What do you think is going to be a top six then, uh, Alex? What are you going to go for there then? Um, I've got Watford winning the league. Okay. pretty comfortably um, 
the, the, the manager that they've hired uh, is the Serbian we really could have done with getting, to be honest. Um, I think if it just Why do we always get the wrong manager from a country? It's like I you look at Luis Castro. <laughs> we ended up with Gomez. Um, and yeah, it's just always the way, isn't it? We never quite get it done. I, I don't really think that Ivic is particularly well known over here. Um, but I mean, he took he took Tel Aviv, um, he took Maccabi Tel Aviv to a league title, won it by thirty points the first season he was there. Second season he was unbeaten, or he lost one game or something. He's a very good manager. They've got a very good squad of players. Um, I just I think they've got a lot of things in their favour still. Um, even if they lose a couple of players, I don't really see them kind of falling out of that kind of top three grouping. I think they're just way ahead of most of the teams in the championship still. Um, I've got Brentford finishing in second place. I think they might struggle to kind of adapt to their new stadium and they might start slowly, but I think they'll kind of pick up as the season goes on. Um, I've also, and then in the playoffs, I've got Stoke, Forest, Millwall and Swansea. Not in that not in that order, but wow! Where um, does Stoke come from, Alex? That was a. I, I think they did very well last season under Michael O'Neill. Once he came in, I think they finished fifth in the yeah. standings. Once he came in, it's interesting that one, but yeah. I, I think he came in about a month after Bowen, and he was he ended up finishing above where Bowen would have finished in the table last year. Um, so I've got yeah Stoke finishing in the playoffs in sixth place. I think Mill will will probably run very well again. They're a very difficult side to beat. Um, Will they be the same without their fans, though? Yeah, that is a good question. I, I yeah, yeah good. that that's a very good point. I mean, I, I remember last year's trip to Den. It, it, I was sat amongst the uh, amongst the Millwall support, and a very vocal bunch they were. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, when they scored, I was thinking, yeah, I can completely understand why certain players might go into their shows at this point. Because I, I think I had one, at one point I had one of the Millwall fans trying to lean over the uh, lean over the barrier and celebrate in my face at one point, which was quite interesting. But um, yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point. I think without that, their their home, the atmosphere they generate, it is for the most part brilliant. I mean, it's it's a sort of a throwback to the old school. You know, you don't want to come here, and you can see why. But whether if you take that uh, area of out. Do they have the quality that other other sides may have? See why Alex Pierce has done so well there. Yeah. I always like Alex and Pierce. Jake Cooper as their well. personality perfectly, does he, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, Jake Cooper and Alex Pierce are one of the, I genuinely think they're probably one of the best centre back pairings in the division. I think they're very, very underrated. Um, I think they'll probably concede less goals than we do this season. So Yeah, and I'm sure they'll probably score a few goals as well between them as well. Definitely Jake Cooper and set up goals, Jake Cooper. Well, what teams, Matt, do you have uh, as kind of like, I guess, not shock teams, but teams who might do worse than people think or, or better than people think this season? Um, that's a very good question, actually. I, I think Bournemouth might struggle to adapt back into the championship. I think if you look at um, how much that promotion sort of, the, the, the whole sort of fairy tale idea of it, when that come to come crashing back down to earth to lose Eddie Howe, to lose a number of good players, Callum Wilson, Nathan Ake, uh, Fraser, who was you know due to depart anyway, and it wasn't really a surprise, and wouldn't surprise me to see them perhaps lose one or two more. 
I think they may struggle to to push back up. They're certainly not in my top six. Um, yeah, I I, think... I, I, I've got Bournemouth finishing in 17th. I personally always blame Tom Crocker for going back there. <laughs> you see, that is where it all started to go wrong. Seeing as Tom Crocker, if you don't know who Tom Crocker is, he covers Reading. He used to cover it from the Woken in News. And uh, he always comes across as a very nice person. But <laughs> just as soon as he went there, they just plummeted back, didn't they? Yeah, I, I actually spent some time. I was, at, I was at Bournemouth University when they, the first year I was there, they got promoted. And then I spent a couple of years working at the club. I helped out at the club. And I remember one of the games I went to was uh, they played Everton at home. Uh, Barkley scored in the 94th minute and then uh, some, I can't remember it was someone scored in the 96th minute that was quite entertaining uh, they beat I was there when they beat Manchester United um, when the, that, that sort of momentum was seen in the crowd as well you know there was a real for, for, for a stadium that doesn't hold that many credit where it's due they, they did produce a fantastic noise when things were going well conversely I remember watching West Ham against them and Dimitri Payet had one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. It was absolutely stupendous that day. And because there wasn't that energy, there wasn't that buzz that it was, was created, you know, given the circumstances of their promotion, they, they didn't look quite the same. So I think, yeah, it, they've obviously going through a big transition. They've, they've appointed Jason Tyndall, uh, former assistant, who knows what he's doing, you know, and I think that was a good appointment for them. Um, but yeah, I, it would surprise me to see them jump back straight back up. Definitely, I think it would, I don't think they'll fade away into obscurity. I think maybe in a season or so we might see them push back up. But that would be my one that I think a few people are tipping already to get straight back up, and it would that would really surprise me. What about you, Paul? <laughs> yeah, a team. What about you, Paul? A team who's going to kind of like do better than people are. Tipping. Do better. Uh... From what I've seen, and I didn't really realise this until I looked up, and maybe you brought up as well, Alex, I think possibly Barnsley. I think, I'm not saying they're going to get into the playoffs or anything like that, but I think they might surprise a few people. They finished the season remarkably well, and I know they should have gone down and Wigan should have stayed up, but that's gone now, so you have to move on from that situation. That's not Barnsley's fault. I think another one just quickly to throw in the mix as well. I would say Cardiff City, I could imagine doing quite well, especially if they sort their away form out. So at home, they're very. Any team that Neil Warnock's at as well. Neil Warnock's at Middlesbrough, so not. Yeah, I know. I don't like saying it. I hate saying it. But I think that he will do well. So thanks to everyone that has listened to this podcast. We will be back after the Luton Town match, hopefully. Obviously, and before on Sunday, what am I doing? I'm forgetting our glorious win. <laughs> we'll be back after Luton Town as well. And uh, if you've enjoyed it, subscribe and retweet wherever you want to be. Cheers. Thank you very much.